0: Happy Tuesday, everybody. Again, I'm Dave Palmer, and I'm so glad that you're back with us tonight. Uh, We are in a series called Jesus is King where we are looking at the Gospel of Mark, which is a historical account of the life of Jesus. And when Mark and these witnesses recorded these things um, in this document, they did so because they believed that what is to be shared, the news, the history that is witnessed in this document, is the sort of thing that will change the history of your life in the world forever. And that's why it's worth looking at. Last week, we looked at this passage in the first chapter of Mark where Jesus goes to church and things get really weird. Um, Immediately after that, the action um, in Mark's gospel starts to escalate. Like People catch on that this guy Jesus is pretty unique and they're especially drawn to the fact that Jesus has the capacity and power to heal. And so, so many people would come to Jesus who were sick and needed physical healing and some spiritual healing as well. Others who were demon possessed came um, and sought um, the help of Jesus. And as you can imagine, man, if there is somebody on your block that has the power to heal an ailment that you have no cure for, um, you're going to be very popular. And it gets to the point where the crowds are crushing and Jesus um, is, wants to escape the crowds and, and continue to share the message of the kingdom of God. And so he leaves, it says, and he goes to other towns with his disciples, his followers, he's a teacher. These are his students that follow him and um, go with them. And then we pick up the action when he comes back and Capernaum is identified as home. And, uh, and this is what it says. So he sneaks in to Capernaum, his now hometown. And it says, a few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door. And he preached the word to them. Some men came bringing to him a paralyzed man carried by four of them. Since they could not get to him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus while digging through it, and then lowered the man sorry, lowered the mat that the man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, "Son, your sins are forgiven." But just imagine this. so um, Many scholars believe that this is actually Jesus's house. So um, people have come into his house. Doesn't seem like they're invited, but he's welcomed them in. And they are pushing on Jesus and he's willing to teach them. And um, the crowd is so thick. I mean, imagine this. If, if you bring a paralyzed person to get help um, and the people are unwilling to let you pass by to get help, like. This is, a, this is an intense crowd. And so these, um, uh, these men go up on the roof of Jesus' house and start um, digging in and, and breaking um, uh, through to lower their friend um, in front of Jesus. Um, I, I'm, an, I'm an old man now. Um, I, uh, I'm married uh, to my wife, Erin, of 10 years. We have two young children, and we also have a mortgage, which means that I own a house that the bank owns and I'm paying them back. But I would tell you that if I were in my home And somebody were breaking open my ceiling, um, I would be very distracted, and I would also be really upset. I'd be calculating the uh, the cost. I mean, like we're talking about our vacation fund being destroyed by these guys upstairs. And so this is the action that we catch uh, Jesus um, in the middle of. And this man is lowered down. He's he's paralyzed. Um, And and I would I would make the case that even to this day, paralysis is one of these things. Like it um, it doesn't say, but we might assume that this man uh, was born paralyzed. Like, this is something that even modern medicine cannot remedy and, and, and really leads to all sorts of um, physical helplessness, right? And so um, imagine you come um, to Jesus to be healed, right? With great expectation that something awesome might happen. And, and, and Jesus looks at you, um, your paralysis, the incredible effort of your friends, and he says, son, your sins are forgiven. We'd be like, what, in, what the heck? That, that, that's not what I came for. And, and Jesus isn't referencing the sin of just breaking his ceiling and the roof to get to him. He, he's talking about something much larger, sins, his sinful nature. All of us have something in our lives that we would do anything for to change. Clearly this person and his friends, for them, it was his paralysis. You know, all of us have something that we deeply wish could change. And we believe that if that thing were to change, our life would be better and perhaps we could experience real happiness, real wholeness. See, we believe that once the disorder in our life is solved, our desires are fulfilled. We'll really be happy, we'll really be whole. But that's not how Jesus saw it and that is not how Jesus sees it. Jesus, when he says, sons, your sins are forgiven is essentially saying, my friend, your real problem is not about the things that have not happened to you or the things that have happened to you. Your real problem is this, that you have built your own life and it is not working see we the bible teaches us that we build our own lives as we see fit and that is the story of sin from the very beginning Adam and Eve um, their story is God offers them this this clear um, way to live life um, in him in his presence and they say we're going to check out other options we think we can do this better and Jesus is saying to this man listen You think that by being healed, by by no longer being paralyzed, that somehow that you'll be able to get back and restore your life. Whatever it is in your life, that thing that you wish you could fix, or maybe it's more than one thing. And Jesus is saying, it's not an external issue. It's an internal issue. And I would imagine that the crowd is mystified at this point. Jesus, what are you talking about? Maybe, what could be worse than being paralyzed? So there in that awkward moment, I mean, imagine this. So this guy has come, he's on the mat, he's laying in front of Jesus, he's still paralyzed. He clearly has no option of removing himself from this terribly awkward situation. The crowd is thick and pressing in. He's just put a hole in Jesus's roof. Jesus responds in a way that is totally mystifying. And then off in the corner, this happens. This is verse 6 of chapter 2. Now some teachers of the law, these religious experts, were sitting there thinking to themselves, why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. How can, who can forgive sins but God alone? Mark writes, immediately Jesus knew in his spirit and go home. So he got up, he took his mat, and walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone. And they praised God saying, we have never seen anything like this. No doubt they had never seen anything like that. The religious experts were absolutely right. You cannot forgive sins in the way that Jesus just claimed to do because you're not God. That's the role of God. And Jesus is essentially saying y- y- you're right. Nobody can forgive sins except God, which is why I've said, son, your sins are forgiven. What Jesus is saying in this awkward and really important moment is this, that all of your sins, all of your action to build your own life on your own merit, to build your own kingdom, to be your own king, all of those sins are against against me. That Jesus is saying that you are the, the created, I have created you, you are the beloved, I love you. I am the one who has created you with purpose and intention for wholeness in my kingdom and my life. You are the one who has rejected that and went out to build your own kingdom, to build your own life, believing that if you could just string enough victories together, if you could just organize the disorder in your life enough to create wholeness and happiness for yourself, that you could have the life that you deeply desire. But the result of our own personal kingdom building is always disorder itself and death. Think about this. If you could imagine um, uh, previously to this moment, being in a spot of confront, being confronted by God himself um, about your own sin, like how would you imagine that interaction to go? I think many of us would just um, project, I would certainly project moments when I think about my father's disappointment for me um, as a child or even as an adult, like his anger and frustration with how I've screwed things up. Maybe it goes even well beyond that for you. But I think one of the most remarkable things about this moment is here is Jesus, like the true king. And he is uh, confronting somebody that he has actually beef with. And the guy doesn't even know that there's beef there. And the first thing that he says is, son, I forgive you. That God has come to us not to destroy us, but God has come to us to heal us. He has come with grace and with love. Not judgment. The story concludes this way. So Jesus looks around the room, knowing what's going on in the hearts of these religious people that understand right theology about forgiveness. And he makes the point, this is my gig. This is my authority. This is what I do. I'm the one being sinned against, and I am choosing forgiveness. And to prove it to you, so that you can understand and believe that I have this authority, I am going to do something that you cannot believe can happen, which is a paralyzed paralyzed person walking again. And so this happens in this moment and the people are astounded. And I can imagine that the residual effect of this whole thing is just what in the world just happened. And then when people walked away thinking about, okay, this is more than about paralysis. This is more than about healing. See, Jesus did not come to fix the few outstanding problems that are in our life so that we could get on with making things the way that we want them to be for ourselves. Jesus didn't come to do the things for us that we want him to do. Jesus came to take care of the real issue, the real issue in our life, that we have no life apart from him as king, that he's come not to destroy us, but to heal us, that he's come in forgiveness so that we can have life. And so the question for us is, what are you going to be willing to let Jesus do for you? Let's pray. Jesus, we um, are so grateful for the way that you come to us I'm um, not to condemn us, but to save us. God, so often I am only thinking about the things that I want and the things that I think will make my life better. I think about the, the, the things in my life that feel like mountains, but when you see our life, when you see my life, you see something different. You don't see a world of external issues that are keeping me down necessarily, but you see something at the heart of my own person and my own life that you're willing to die for so that we can have true freedom, true healing, Lord. Lord, help us to understand that. Help us to have the humility to receive it and help us to live it. Pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.